This is the Book Legion Podcast, where we review thought-provoking books to give our Legionnaires the knowledge they need to dominate the next level of their life. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me on the Book Legion. My name is Ty Revens. This week I'm going to be covering the book Tax-Free Wealth by Tom Wheelwright. So for those of you who are not familiar with Tom Wheelwright, Tom is actually a CPA. He works in conjunction with Robert Kiyosaki. He's actually Robert Kiyosaki's, if you're not familiar with who Robert Kiyosaki is, he's the man that wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and he's actually his CPA and tax advisor. So this whole book was to written about how to look at taxes differently. And so Robert and Tom have written a whole series of books called the Rich Dad Advisor books, and they're all about different types of books on looking at how to get wealthy, whether it's real estate, investments, saving. This book just happens to be on taxes. Has always had a passion for taxes and law, uh, tax law, so to speak, and so that's what he went to school for. He wanted to take this, he always had this kind of interest in becoming a lawyer, but always had an interest in taxes, so I thought this was the best of both worlds to become a specialist uh, CPA in the tax advisor role. He is actually someone that went through the course of business, and he worked for a, a company for quite a long time, got some really good experience working for some bigger corporations before launching out on his own. I believe like right in his mid to late 30s. Um, really interesting. He had always kind of been a hot shot career and then joined a, a firm in which didn't really appreciate his talents. He got let go and said, this is the best time to jump out on my own. Jumped out into his own and then that's when he ended up meeting with Robert Kiyosaki a few years later. And they've worked together as a team, written all these series of books. And uh, Tom really give, attributes a lot of his knowledge to Robert Kiyosaki, although he had a, already a great history and background, but really showing him especially how to use real estate as a tax shelter. So the reason why I wanted to cover this book is because uh, you guys know I've owned my own businesses. I've also been a W-2 employee. And I can tell you, having a really sophisticated tax strategy will help you in the long run to save some of your money. So I want to read a book for my own personal benefit about how to be better with, uh, not going to say sheltering, but just keeping more of the money that's mine and paying less taxes. And so working through tax uh, incentives and advantages. Um, and then just having just a broader knowledge about things I might get into in my future. So that's why I wanted to cover the book and I was hoping it would help some of you that maybe pay too much in taxes or are looking for different ways or different wealth strategies. Uh, this is by no means financial advice, simply a book review. So don't take um, anything I say as financial advice. Uh, I would encourage you to go read the book and make your own interpretations of it. But with that, I'm going to jump into my top three favorite chapters of the book. So the first chapter I want to talk about is chapter one, which is taxes are stealing your money. It is really interesting why I wanted to talk about chapter one because it sets the tone and the precedent where as uh, Americans, a lot of people in Western civilization that are used to paying taxes, some more than others, the way that we typically think about taxes is that somehow we are obligated or that we owe the government. We never really put, and I've definitely been guilty of this, I never really conceptually thought about that I show up to work, if I make $10,000 in one month, let's say, that $10,000 is all mine. I put in the work to make that $10,000. I made the sacrifice with my time, my energy, away from my family in order to get that $10,000. So I made sacrifices, time, money, 
experiences in order to get that money, right? So then what happens is the government takes a part of that for Medicare, uh, Social Security, federal income tax. I live in Texas. So I don't have to pay state taxes. I used to live in California where they take a gang of taxes. One of the reasons we moved because tax uh, California is crazy with their tax law. It's not advantageous to live there. Um, with the state can charge you up to 13.3% um, in California. 13% of your ta- wages can go to the state of California, which is insane, versus Texas where it's zero. Anyway, so but what I liked about this chapter, it sets the precedent to let you know that that's your money. That's your money. That's not the government's money. We don't have to feel this sense of obligation that it's the government's money or that you work for them part-time. No, if I made $10,000, that $10,000 is all mine, right? So the book starts to help kind of chapter one reshape and reprogram the way that you are uh, you think about tax law and taxes in general. So that was the first big takeaway, that the money's yours, it's not the government's. So don't get that twisted. You, you earn the money, you traded your time for the money, not the government. Secondly, is it the tax law is written for the wealthy? And they're like, absolutely, is written for the tax. Uh, the tax law is written for the wealthy. So this is where you can see that you know it became highly politicized. Where Trump was just like, yeah, you guys wrote the legislation. I took advantage of it. We saw this in the debates last year, and it was really interesting because he was just openly saying, like, if you don't want me to take advantage of the tax law, then you shouldn't have passed it. You know, I think he had that argument with Biden and with. Hillary Clinton in 2016, because he was a big real estate guy. And Trump and Robert Kiyosaki have written books together on wealth and on real estate. So the book also starts to break down that, yes, of course, the governments want to incentivize the wealthy who are cultivating the jobs and are running the economy with certain tax advantages or certain tax incentives. And so the reason that they incentivize the people with the money is so they can keep the economy healthy. So the way that the political system has always been, you know, uh, tax the rich and they didn't pay to their fair share. But what you also don't realize, and a lot of people are very narrow-minded, even if you're a, a minimum wage worker working at McDonald's or you're a teller in a bank, you're contributing to the economy, right? So if you want to make more money, increase your skill set. Go back to school, learn new skills, um, ask for promotions. What can you do? Right? There's, a, there's accountability. It's not just like tax the rich. They want you to get out of your mind. That by taxing the rich in a certain way, incentivize them to have a certain type of economic growth that the government needs in order for us to stay financially healthy. So they use the tax code in a way to incentivize entrepreneurs to have certain behaviors that are going to help our overall economy. And this is a big linchpin that the politicians are missing, that incentivizing the taxes towards the rich will incentivize economic growth, right? So that was a huge takeaway that people really need to understand. Is But what's crazy too, they said there's 40,000 pages of tax law written, right? Only 40 pages out of the 40,000 are written on how to increase taxes. All the other... 39,960 pages that are written in the tax code are about how to reduce your taxes. So the tax law was actually written to show you as a code how to not pay taxes. But this is what the average American is not sophisticated and has not been well educated or versed in tax law. So they feel obligated to pay taxes and think that they should pay taxes, not understanding that the tax law that was written by the government was actually written to show you how not to pay taxes, right? That's And, and the book really does a great job of talking about that's the most patriotic thing that you can do is not pay taxes and take advantage of the tax law that was written for you. Because if you're taking advantage of the tax law, then you're inevitably stimulating and growing the economy, which is better for the greater good, collective good of everybody, right? So that was a, a 
uh, a huge takeaway for me in chapter one. Now, the second chapter I want to talk to you about is chapter six, which is you can deduct almost anything. Now, having been a business owner, uh, my wife's a business owner, I can tell you that deductions are massive. Now, you always have to have a business reason, but this talks about if you become an entrepreneur, you start a, a bit, maybe a business on the side. Like for me, um, I work full time in insurance, but I do sales consulting on the side. So I have a sales consulting business. So when I take clients out to talk about my potential consulting ideas um, for their company and I take them out to dinner, then the dinner would be tax deductible, meaning it was a business expense, right? So if my taxable income can use really easy numbers is a thousand dollars for the year and that dinner was a hundred dollars now as a, as a deductible expense so now my taxable income for the year would be nine hundred dollars because that one business meal was a write-off right so he talks a lot about chapter six about why it's advantageous to be an entrepreneur or even a certain type of active or passive investor if you invest in certain types of stocks um, or certain types of commodities the government actually won't incentivize you and they'll be you won't have to pay capital gains tax. So we're talking about the Biden administration right now is talking about raising capital gains tax from I think it's about 19% now to 43%. A lot of people are upset about this because it's a great way to be able to make passive income, right? So if I invested $100 and let's say I made 100% return, so I made uh, another $100, so now I've got $200. Well, I'd have to pay off that $100 I just made. Right current days, I would have to pay $20 in taxes underneath the Biden new tax plan. I potentially have to pay $43 in taxes off of that $100 I made. So you can see, obviously it chips away at how much money you take home. This is why a lot of times uh, wealthy people too tend to steer towards uh, more conservative um, administrations that have a better scope on tax law being a lot less restrictive and with a lot less regulation because it allows a lot more uh, financial incentives for people to go and uh, spend money within our own economies. What a lot of people don't realize is a lot of corporations, especially, they won't pay tax money here. They'll register a corporation in, say, like Ireland, where the corporate tax rate is 12%. We're here in the United States. It's more like 25 to 30%, right? So where, if, if you're Apple, where do you want to pay a trillion dollars worth of tax to? Uh, 25% or 12%, right? So this is a lot of the stuff that you see that gets highly politicized, but we also don't have a great understanding of why it's politicized or what's behind the agenda. So when it comes to your tax money, if you're looking at how can I make extra money and you decide that becoming a um, active or a passive real, uh, excuse me, stock investor in certain stocks that you'd have to pay potential capital get gains on, well, what would be more advantageous? It's going to maybe affect the way that you vote, right? 20% or 43%. So those are things just to think about. I'm not saying you can vote however you want. This is not uh, to be political. I'm just letting you know this is uh, some of the talking points and why it's important to pay attention to this, and especially pay important to who's in office, because it definitely affects how much money uh, you take home, how your money is taken from the government, and the different types of tax incentives different types of administrations will put out there to stimulate uh, economic growth. And then the last last chapter I want to talk about is chapter 13, which is all about estate planning. Now, a lot of people don't think about estate planning. So estate planning for me, really when I think about that is like, what's going to happen with everything that my wife and I have accumulated over our lifetime and how will that be distributed out to my kids and my grandkids? And for me, 
there's lots of great estate planning things that you can do that will help create generational wealth. Do some real low-hanging fruit, something that I personally do is we have 529s for our boys. If you're not familiar with what a 529 is, it's a, a tax-free um, investment vehicle to help pay for your children's education. So you can put money into a 529 and you can let it and put it into um, investments, right? Like a, say S&P 500 index. And you track that. I started when my kids were born. So we put in money every month and then we track that and it starts to compound over time, right? And we hope that they have a big nest egg when they go to college. Now, when the kids go to college, they can withdraw that money for books, housing and tuition completely tax-free. And I get to put it in there as a way for me to be able to shelter money for the time being. And then they also will receive tax-free money when they go to go to school. And the way that Trump had actually takes the tax laws, you no longer have to use 529 money just for college. You can actually use it for charter school or private school or whatever you want. So if you're looking to put more money into a different type of vehicle to bring down your income tax, 529 might be a great vehicle, which also is gonna help your kids. Now, if your kids decide not to go to college, you could roll it up to 529 into your state planning and that money can continue to compound and then your grandchildren could use it for their college uh, depending on the way you set up your custodial account. So those are different types of things. Now you've got, if say if your kids didn't go to college and you had your 529 and that thing's compounded for 40 years, you could have taken 20 grand and now it's turned into $250,000. You might be able to pay for three kids' education. Well, maybe not uh, my grandkids with the way the expense is going to be for college. But anyway, that's estate planning is about two than what happens with the money I give to my kids. Is there going to be a death tax, right? There's all these different types of things you need to put into place to make sure that when you have a life insurance policy, it's going to pay out or a 401k or social security um, or any of your investments accounts, your real estate holdings, all of that is rolled up into your estate planning and is done in the most tax advantage way possible. So when your heirs go to collect, they're not having to pay money on, on uh, pay tax on money that you already paid taxes on, right? So it's really important to have a really um, sound estate planning game. So one of the things too that the book talks about, I'm a huge believer in this, that you should kind of start to build a team as you start to accumulate wealth. Like you should have um, a, a banker you go to, you should have a tax advisor, you should have a good lawyer, you should have a good bookkeeper, and you should definitely have an investment advisor. And this starts to become kind of like your wealth team, right? And this is people you can go to that have a specificity and they have a degree of education in these types of verticals where you don't. I'm an insurance. I'm don't. I, I give all my money to an investment person. I have a CPA. My wife has a bookkeeper, right? You have to have people on your team to help you run efficiently because you can't be an expert in anything. So you want to hire experts to help you um, as you start to increase your wealth. So 100%, if you're someone who's looking to becoming wealthy or just uh, be financially free at a younger age or to be able to retire with stress-free worry, I would highly recommend that you get this book. And again, this is not to be... Um, any type of financial uh, advice um, whatsoever, just sharing stories about what's worked for me, what I've seen in the marketplace, and kind of the ideas behind the book. Um, I'll post the link in the book so you guys can snag it. I think it was like 14 or $15, maybe 20 bucks. I'm not sure. But you know, you read the uh, 265 pages and you spend $20 and you might save yourself literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars by reading a book like this and other books in the series. 
Uh, and if you guys haven't done so, please subscribe to the podcast. Drop me a five-star review. Leave me a comment. Helps other people be able to find the podcast easier. If you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe and turn on your notifications. I release the podcast videos and podcast on all streaming platforms once a week on Sunday. Really appreciate you guys' support. Thank you so much.